The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Want to fearlessly explore your creative spirit? Join artist Susie K. Edwards for Path of the Butterfly, a weekend workshop at Omega Institute's beautiful campus in Rhinebeck, New York, May 24th through 26th. Experiment with a variety of art forms, engage in mindfulness, walking, and silent meditation, and discover a new and free-flowing creative vision. This workshop is for beginners and professional artists. Learn more at eomega.org thrive. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Support for this show comes from the Beyond Suffering Bible, a Bible for people who want to understand what it looks like to think and live like a Christian in the midst of hardship. It is ideal for caregivers, ministers, or the person who is suffering. Begin your journey from endless struggles to God's infinite hope at beyondsufferingbible.com. From Spirituality and Health magazine, this is Essential Conversations. Our guest today is Lama Suryadas, one of the foremost Western Buddhist teachers, scholars, and a leading spokesperson for the emerging American Buddhist movement. Surya has spent over 45 years studying Zen, Vipassana, Yoga, and Tibetan Buddhism with the great masters of Asia, including the Dalai Lama's own teachers. And he has twice completed the traditional three-year meditation cloistered retreat at his teacher's Tibetan monastery. He is the founder of the Dzogchen Center in Cambridge, Massachusetts, as well as its branch centers around the country. And he's the author of a dozen books on Buddhism and spirituality. His essay, Dogitation, Canine Help Along the Bodhisattva Path, appears in the September-October issue of Spirituality and Health magazine. Lama Suryadas, welcome to Essential Conversations. Thank you, Rami, and what a pleasure, and all who are listening. Well, um, it's a pleasure to talk to you. We, we haven't talked in a very long time, so it's some sort of big catch-up here a little bit. But... I, I love the essay. I love the whole notion of dogs and, and you know, my, my dog is my guru kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we, we've both had, though your training is far exceeds anything I've done, but we've both had Zen training. And when I first started the Zen training some 50 years ago, the first koan I wrestled with was the classic, does a dog have Buddha nature? Now, honestly, so he does, the, the question no longer has any meaning for me. My question now is, you know, is it the Buddha's nature to befriend a dog? So what do you think? I mean, this this notion of dogs, does it have, pun intended, does it have legs in Buddhism? Yes, absolutely. Um, first of all, to be uh, funny or facetious for a moment, the answer to the koan, does a dog have Buddha nature, of course, as everyone knows, is bow wow. <laughs> yeah, the, the Japanese got it wrong because they think it's moo, and that's what a cow says. They don't. They don't yeah. really get it. <laughs> no, but it's moo in Japanese, you see, or in Sanskrit, which means beyond mind or zero. But um, it's bow wow and dog talk. So you know, let's get down, dog. 
Um, It does have legs, and this is why. And this is why we're talking about it. Some of this came from the teaching and research I did in preparing my book, Make Me One with Everything, Buddhist Meditations to See Through the Illusion of Separation, which, of course, is why Zen meditation uses koans and all to go beyond the dualism and conceptual analytic thinking and out of your head and into the bigger overmind or the totality. The one or the none, as you might say in, in Zen, I don't know, the big zero. Um, I have a chapter here on meditation and how to meditate with your pets. So uh, I wrote this essay on my do- favorite dog for Sounds True's uh, Dharma f- Dogs anthology. I think it has legs because what it really means is how to interbe, how to meditate, how to co-meditate or intermeditate with your pet, with your loved ones, with your children, and by extension, with in- neutral people or with enemies, difficult friends, you know, people, critics, in-laws, or whatever. And really with everything, how you can interbe and intermeditate with everything and see through the illusion of separation. That's the legs on this dog. Okay. I mean, that makes sense to me. I, I understand that. But there is something about, I mean, the love for your dog, Chandi, right? Is, mm-hmm. it was, now, she's been dead for a while. Yes. So, but but the love for your dog, it comes across so strongly in this article and in the, like you said, in the, in the book uh, from Sounds to the Dharma of Dogs, that... It, I, I got. I, it seems to me that there's something more going on here. Now I could be reading into this because I have this deep love for my own dog. But when you're with, when you were with, and, and I, I was going to ask you later, but you can tell me now. Did, did you? Do you have a dog now? No, I'm down a dog. You're down a dog. Okay. My wife has cats. Ah, there you go. Working with the cat people. It's. Tragic. <laughs> it's tragic. <laughs> so. But you could do catitation. I'm just not into it. Okay. Well, that's you know, that's why there's different different schools different of, of peditation, as you called yeah. it. Yeah. So for you then, you think it's I mean your your wife's got cats, but do you think there's something unique about the dog? I mean, dogs and humans go back forever. Yes. Um, so do you think there's something unique about the dog that that allows this this love to happen? Um, I do in the sense that dogs were bred to be friends and companions and helpers. And they evolved, you know, from more savage creatures like the wild dogs and the wolves. And, you know, they say dog is a person's best friend, not a cat. You know, dogs have family owners, friends, cats have staff basically <laughs> so it's oh, we're gonna we're gonna tick course, off all the cat lovers out there yeah no it's just a joke you know <laughs> i love cats too um the thing is well as a zen non-sequitur the famous lassie show the boy in it was named jeff miller if you remember and that's my name jeffrey allen miller actually so when i was in elementary school everybody thought i was jeff miller from lassie so I think there's something very special about dogs being that was that was the name of the of the actor was, that was Jeff the name Ma- of the boy in the last show Jeff 
I thought his name was Timmy. Um, so I, it was another Timmy. version that had Jeff. Oh, okay. Because it was all in my mind. It's always, Lassie, what? Oh, Timmy fell down the well? It's like every week, Timmy fell down the well. It's like the only thing Lassie knew how to say. Maybe <laughs> it was his stage name. I really can't remember because I'm getting old. <laughs> all I remember is I love dogs and, you know, Lassie was the, the first. But um, really, it, it, like the koan, does dog have Buddha nature? It points to that everything has Buddha nature and that moo means no or not, or that's not even a question. Like mm-hmm. one translation might be no question, which means yes, of course, all beings have Buddha nature. But it also means there's no such thing. That's just a label. Buddha so nature dog, itself, right. Cat, or any pet, we can meditate with them. They open our hearts just like children do, male, female, you know, whatever their color or creed is, just like dogs, we welcome all breeds and all creeds here. And uh, well, we that, build walls around our heart and keep any animals or people out. So, you know, in, in Hebrew, the word for dog is kelev. And I have a friend, a teacher, Dr. Rich Lenson out in uh, California. And he says that you shouldn't pronounce it kelev, dog. You should say using the same letters, he's, he's it's a sort of a pun he's making, but kol lev, which means all heart. Oh, that, beautiful. So that, you know, the, the yes. Hebrew for the dog reveals the fact that it's all heart. And just as you're saying, trying to break down the walls around the heart, that, and I mean, this is a question, though, it's coming across a little bit more as a statement. That is the bodhisattva path. Isn't it the path yes. of, of heart? It is the path of heart. And breaking down the walls and seeing through the illusion of separateness is a practice. And it helps us realize our inseparability, if not oneness, and empathize with and feel what others feel. And thus being moved, you know, perhaps to help or being moved, at least we sort of resonate with them. Like tuning forks resonate together. They move in time. They vibrate together. So when we empathize, we feel what others are feeling. We experience a oneness like we do with our own children. They may cut the umbilical cord in the hospital, but we're still so connected to them, just so connected. So when you're talking about uh, the dog and Buddha nature, and you have this wonderful comeback to the phrase, you know, dog is God spelled backwards. And and you then add to that, scratch a dog and you'll find a God, which I thought was very, very clever. Uh, I don't know if you remember, but and, and it wasn't that recently, but but not too long ago, uh, His Holiness Pope Francis got into a lot of trouble when this little boy was, you know, he was very upset. His dog had died and they brought the boy to the Pope for comfort. And speaking really as a, as a pastor rather than as Pope, he said to the boy that he shouldn't, don't cry because you'll see your dog again in heaven. And mm-hmm. it caused a hum- tremendous stir in the church because the church doesn't believe that animals have souls and therefore the dog cannot go to heaven. Yes, and I remember that. You remember, so, so is that, you think that that's sort of a, uh, a, I don't know if the word is concrete, but a significant difference between the Buddhist understanding that everything is of Buddha nature and, and this notion that only humans have souls. You could say that. In the history and the sociology of religions and, you know, in theology, and I know you're a rabbi, and, you know, I respect that. So, from that point of view, Buddhism 
like some other spiritual traditions, thinks of all sentient beings and their eventual enlightenment and benefit. And when we say, vow not to kill or not to harm life, we include animals. That's why there's a lot of vegetarianism among Hindus and Buddhists as well as others. On the other hand, I think Pope Francis, and I, I really follow him and love him, um, I think that that just shows the same thing that the, does a dog have Buddha nature? And the answer being moo or not or nothing, doing nothing. The Pope is showing that the theology is one thing, but comforting a boy, you know, trumps that. Like, what does it say in the Bible? Jesus says, um, man was not made for the Sabbath. The day, sa day, Sabbath was made for man. In other words, if you have to help somebody in work to pull them out of a hole on the Sabbath, get to it. Right, right. And, so and I, think, I think that France, Pope Francis was first, you know, a fisherman and a healer of souls. And certainly when his heart went out to that little boy. So I'm all for it. And the theology is another whole matter, you know, and whether, I mean, if you really gonna, would get into this, which is just not the place, but just to mention that um, the Catholic position has been that Protestants and other religionists, even living a good life, don't go to heaven if they haven't been baptized. But that started to change in the recent decades. Want to fearlessly explore your creative spirit? Join artist Susie K. Edwards for Path of the Butterfly, a weekend workshop at Omega Institute's beautiful campus in Rhinebeck, New York, May 24 through 26. Experiment with a variety of art forms, engage in mindfulness, walking, and silent meditation, and discover a new and free-flowing creative vision. This workshop is for beginners and professional artists. Learn more at eomega.org slash thrive. Right, right. And maybe that will change for, for animals as well. I think so we hope so for animal rights and for peace on this world and for our endangered um, globe and endangered environment. I know in Judaism, the standard position on this is uh, animals have no rights. Humans have obligations toward them. But mm. I think we're going beyond that. I think that, I mean, I, yes, I, I, I personally think that animals have rights. I think all sentient beings have rights. We had, uh, and I don't know if you know him personally, but Matthew Ricard. I do. We had so, the same yeah. guru. Yes. Uh, yes, right. That's right. So he was on the show a couple of times, but he was on the show the last time uh, because of his book on compassion toward animals. Mm -hmm. And he talked to us about, I mean, I understand animals with a distinct face, you know, <laughs> that you can't, you don't harm these people, these beings, right? You see my yeah. prejudice right there, right. these people. Uh, and But I brought up things like, you know, mosquitoes and gnats and stuff like that. And he, he made this, yeah, go ahead. You want to jump in there? Go ahead. What about bacteria and things like that? We don't really think about it, and the tiny things that we don't see, like you say. So if something has a face, it feels much closer to us. But, you know, let's just jump sort of to the point because time is short, Rami. I think you know, we all know that a pet is like a member of the family, and that's how we feel. Of course, it's a bigger tragedy to lose a child or a parent than to lose a pet. But still, we all consider a pet like a member of the family, and we spend money on them. And some people leave money to them in their will and get them, you know, hair done and other things, and well-dressed and trained, and just love them so much, especially some single people or old and lonely people or young children is their best companion and friend. So yeah. I think they do have, I don't know if they have like, you know, rights to free speech, 
<laughs> but that's well. just a local, you know, custom here in the Western world. But uh, they do have rights to live and not to be harmed or abused and exploited and tortured. Yeah, well, it wasn't too long ago when we when we argued that that animals feel no pain, yes, and therefore you could you could experiment on them without any kind of uh, raising any kind of moral issue. You well, know, some people you, said that people of certain colors or certain other religions felt you know could be experimented on, or yeah, only right. you know whatever three fifths of a vote, or could be slave enslaved and treated and killed just like animals with no repercussions, even right. in this. Yeah, yeah, it's a slow process of, of kind moral. of evolution. Yeah, yes. exactly. Okay. Very slow process. More equality for all. But you know, I mean, the the passion people have for their dogs. I, I've been watching the news about the fires out in California, yeah. and you see the okay. families that thought they lost their dog, and just a couple cases I saw recently where the dog survived and the dog found uh, her or his way back to their family, and the emotion that the dog and the family had in finding one another was just so powerful that there there is this this deep link between all beings i would say but certainly it comes across in these in the in the issue of of dogs we we've we don't have a lot of time left but i i want to spend a little bit of time if you can i know in the magazine and i, and I know you've got various versions of this in uh in in your book um and in this article for the magazine on meditating with your pet. And and specifically, we're talking about dogs, so you can just sort of focus on dogs. Yes. But can you walk us through it? I don't mean do the meditation, but walk us through the steps so the people who are listening who say, oh, I'd like to try this with my cat or my dog or my, you know, my horse, whatever it might be. Mm -hmm. um, give us a sense of how, how the meditation works. Yes, I'd love to. Thank you. So basically the principle is interbeing, as Thich Nhat Hanh calls it. I call it co-meditation, meditating together, or intermeditation, like communing or cleaving together, or one heart, one mind. So we could use this uh, as a petitation, you know, with any pet, or as a kiditation or a mommitation with your parent or child, or eye gazing, or watching your child lying in bed at night and their little chest going up and down. And it's like, well, the angels are in the room, but you don't have to try to concentrate. That's the idea. So now let's take the example with your dog. Of course, it could be your cat or something else that, you know, I, I don't know about mosquitoes or ferrets or goldfish. You take the example of using your dog for your co-meditation, your intermeditation and opening the heart and mutual reciprocity and, and love and communing together. So we take your contemplative position for the moment, let's say sitting. I don't want to have to be too specific how you sit. That's not being stressed here. Of course, it could be lying down or kneeling or anything else. And the dog would be, let's say, in front of you. So you could be doing eye gazing. Or if it's asleep, at your feet or in front of you, like my dog used to fall asleep while I was meditating, lying down in front of me, sort of pressed against my crossed legs, not in my lap, she was a little big. But so we'd be co-meditating that together and she'd be asleep and I'd be just watching her flank rise and fall and just feeling so 
grateful and love and parental and just breathing together and interbeing, co-meditating, just watching the breath go up and down, the flanks go up and down, or looking in her eyes and just breathing together and letting go of thoughts like whatever she's thinking and wondering what she's thinking. This is not about her. This is about opening your heart and being totally present and accounted for. This breath, only breath. This moment, only moment. Breathing, relaxing and smiling, watching her flanks go up and down with the breath or looking in her eyes and just sharing a moment or three or a few minutes. You, you also, I, I, I'll interrupt because you also had, had mentioned resting your hand on the, on, the, on the animal, on the dog. Yes. So my dog would lie down and fall asleep, you know, quote, in my feet, meaning like on the floor, my, in front of my crossed legs and pressed against it. But if you want to make contact or, you know, you're not sitting on the floor or even if you are, you can put your hand on the rising and falling flank of the dog or put your hand on his or her paw or both of your hands or his paw on yours or on your legs. So you're actually in contact. It's almost like little tantric yab yum embrace and is until breathing together, mutual reciprocity, breathing in and breathing out, mingling, commingling, communing till there's no you and no her, no him. Mm. And there's just a beautiful, loving beingness together. That's what I call co-meditation or intermeditation for interbeing, or in this case, dogitation. Dogitation. Well, I hope people will try that because we are just right up against uh, the end of the show. I, I, I will tell you that I read the, the article and then I tried that. So I've got, I'm sitting on the floor. I've got a one hand on my heart, one hand on the dog. And the dog decided just to spend the whole time licking my hand. <laughs> it's like, no, that's not what I'm going, you know, just, just be calm. Be, be, but it was fine. Deep maybe, interest. Maybe the dog was doing her lickitation. Yeah, lickitation. So. Your <laughs> anyway, th this is this is great stuff. I really, I really appreciate you talking life, about it. Life ain't much fun. That's what I say. Can't right. Too seriously. No, never, never do that. Never do that. That that ruins the entire, the entire experience. So our guest today was Lama Surya Das, whose essay "Dogitation: Canine Help Along the Bodhisattva Path." appears in the September-October issue of Spirituality and Health magazine. You can learn more about Lama Suryadas's work at his website, surya.org. So, Suryadas, thanks so much for speaking with us on Essential Conversations. Thank you, Rabbi Rami. And thank you for all of your God work, your goodness, and, and the joy of awakening on this path together. And love to one and all. Thank you. Support for Essential Conversations comes from the Beyond Suffering Bible, a Bible for people who want to understand what it looks like to think and live like a Christian in the midst of hardship. It's ideal for caregivers, ministers, or anyone who's suffering. Begin your journey from endless struggles to God's infinite hope at beyondsufferingbible.com. Essential Conversations with Rabbi Rami is a project of Spirituality and Health magazine. Please log in to spiritualityhealth.com to subscribe to the magazine in print or digital formats and download the iTunes app for this podcast. 
Essential Conversations is produced by Ezra Baker, and our program coordinator and executive producer is Al Matassi. I'm Rabbi Rami. Thanks for listening. Hey, it's Radley Valentine. Join me for a brand new way of connecting with your angels on my new podcast, The Angel Tarot Show. Each week, you'll meet your angelic guides and guardians and find new ways to unlock unconditional love, tune into your intuitive abilities, and create the joy-filled life that, well, you've always wanted. Plus, you'll get a useful and timely energetic weather report, bringing you guidance for the coming week. Tap into the healing, hope, and guidance that's all around you on the Angel Tarot Show, exclusively on mindbodyspirit.fm.